Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc, on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about our church or to support us financially, visit newgrace.cc. I don't have an outline. We're just going to let the scripture speak to us this morning. My heart is heavy for my church. I love, I love these people in this room. You know your, you know your family when one suffers and all of them suffer with it. When one's hurting and all of them are feeling the pain. You know your family, you know you're a connected body when one gets a win and everybody else wants to celebrate it. Not one of those somebody starts to win and find victory and triumph and we're over here picking apart how it really isn't that glorious, it really isn't that great, it really isn't that good. I'm not talking about a a, a church driven by jealousy and envy. I'm talking about a church that's unified and when one of us stumbles, we're all there to pray. We're there to intercede. When one of us gets lifted up, we all rejoice that the hand of God is in the promotion business. I just feel like this is what God's put on our heart. And we may do nothing but just read this and expound and explain a little bit. And I don't know if it's going to take me 10 minutes or a little bit longer, but I want to, I want to be obedient. Job 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. Now, you and I would classify that group of beings as angels. An angel does not tell you who a being is. An angel tells you what a being is. Angel is just another word for a heavenly or a celestial messenger. And the, the, we, would, we would do ourselves a disjustice to the context to just call this group of beings angels. These were the, I believe it's the Ben Elohim in the Hebrew, that, that is the sons of God. And, and, and we can classify them as angels, but the reality is, is they were an elder race of beings that you see in Genesis chapter six, you see in Job, and you see other references to them in the form of a council like in Psalm chapter 82. Very interesting. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole because we'll probably never see rabbit feet, all right? There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, look at this, and the Satan, the Satan, the accuser, here we go, the blamer, came also among them. This shows us a period of time and it could still be the same access that we have now in the heavenlies where apparently Satan as one of these beings in this race can appear before God. And we know that Satan will lose all final access to the heavenlies and I believe it's Revelation chapter 12 where that dragon is cast down out of heaven and his domain will be forever on the planet until his judgment. Notice what it says in verse number seven. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, 
Have you considered my servant Job? I want you to see this right here. Job was never the devil's idea. It was God's. Job came at a high recommendation. God who had all knowledge, all understanding, all wisdom, and all observation of all beings in the earth, Job is at the top of his list as a recommendation of Satan's ploys and tactics. Have you thought about, I know, I know you're in the business of accusation. You work as the council's prosecutor, constantly trying to prosecute, accuse, here we go, find fault or blame in my creation. Have you considered Job? You're always coming to me and telling me of where blame lies with my children. Have you thought about Job? He said, there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord. Watch this now. Look at what Satan says. Does Job fear God for naught? He's saying, does he fear you for nothing? His faith? His respect, his reverence, his dedication, his loyalty. Is Job's allegiance to you for nothing? I'm curious as to find out. Or does, does Job love you because of what he gets from you? Does, jo, does Job love you because of that which he receives at your hand? Does Job love you for your provision and protection? Or would Job love you for nothing. It's interesting to think if you and I are willing to be all for nothing. Does Job fear you for nothing? Has, now look, Satan right here makes a great mistake for he gives away an attribute of God's protection that had Satan kept his mouth shut, we would not have known this existed. Hast, hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. He said, you've got a hedge about him and the things that I would love to do to him and to try against him and to test him with, I cannot because you have a hedge. You ever been around one of them old timey Christians that said, we need to pray a hedge of protection and traveling mercies. It's not real scriptural from a New Testament principle perspective to pray a hedge of protection. You won't ever even find a reference about it. We're just, it's, it's Christian vernacular. It's Christianese that doesn't necessarily, necessarily have a grounding except for the story in Job where we learn that this man who belonged to God had a hedge. Everybody say the word hedge. A hedge of protection about him. That, that serves a reminder to every believer in the room that if the devil's going to try anything against you. It's got to run through the filter of God's approval system. That if the devil's going to throw something at you, it's got to go through the Lord's hands and inspection check before it can ever be validated in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that deserves a little praise break this morning that we have a God who is so supreme, who is so sovereign, who 
who is so great and strong. I want to remind you, yes, the devil has some power, but we have a God who has all power. I'm thankful that on every side, I am protected by a hedge, a hedge that blocks the enemy, a hedge that binds the enemy, a hedge. Somebody better help me bless him. I'm covered on every side by a hedge. Thank you, Satan, for opening your big mouth and letting us in on a little reality that, that, that even in Satan's tactics, he has limitations. But I, wanna, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. The challenge is on the table. Does Job serve you for nothing? He says, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has. And he says, Job is going to curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. Here is something interesting. I'm not telling you that every single scenario in your life between good and evil, darkness and light, trouble or well-doing is always contributed or attributed to a, a, a chess match between God and the devil. But in this instance, we get divine illumination that God said, you can touch everything attached to him, but upon him, you cannot lay a finger. And then the Bible tells us, and I don't have it on the screen, but I'm just going to read this. Don't get bored with the Bible. This ain't time, this ain't time to daydream. I want you to listen to what happens next. And there was a day, oh, God, that's how it happens. Life is normal, life is good, life is balanced. Money in the bank, everybody's healthy. Cars are running. Ain't nothing in the house falling apart. Everything in your body's checking out. It's all good up in the hood. And then there comes a day. There comes a day You're going to learn to stop worrying about stuff. Because the worst stuff that's ever going to happen in your life, you didn't have time to worry about it. You didn't see it coming. You didn't even know. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they've slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I... Only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, here's the first wave. Now another wave is coming. There came also another and said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven. More than likely that was lightning. They didn't call it lightning. But the fire of God falling from heaven probably looks like lightning. It hath burned up the sheep, the sermons, and consumed them. And I only am escaped, escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, here comes another wave. There came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, look, another wave. There came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young man and they are dead and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Wait a second. 
You mean to tell me that God removed this hedge about Job, and when he removed this hedge, the only thing preserved and protected was Job himself and his livelihood. Yet everything concerning his wealth and his family, his possessions, all of a sudden was targeted by a satanic attack. Is that not what we just read? I am not telling you that there is a devil or a demon in every shadow of your house. I am not telling you that everything that comes against you in this life is a direct product of a satanic infestation. We live in a sin-cursed world that is chaotic and corrupted. And let me tell you something. The reason this world is cursed like it is is not something God did. It's what we did. Our greatest grandparents in the Garden of Eden started a chaotic cycle of madness that lives on to this day. And we have done nothing but add to the chaos and the corruptness of of this world. Bad things will happen to good Christian people. But I think it's interesting that our story teaches and tells us that there was a satanic stimulation in the circumstances that Job faced. Did we not read, watch this now, did we not read that the devil was able to leverage the environment in Job's life in such a way that foreign enemies came in as a militant force, killed his servants, took away his camels, his livestock, that, watch this, lightning came, creating a fire a wind like a tornado came. It, here's something interesting. We are seeing effects that are actually rooted in the environment from the weather that are beginning to manipulate the factors in and around Job's life to where he suffers great loss. Have you ever noticed in Mark chapter four when Jesus was asleep in the boat with the disciples and they found themselves in a storm? And Jesus was actually just exemplifying how to react in a mess. He was, he was exemplifying what peace, peace is not calm water. Peace is not no wind. Peace is not a sunny day. Peace is when it's hell or high water. Peace is when the wind is blowing and the boat is tossed and darkness overshadows you at every turn, yet you've got a peace that passes all understanding. And somewhere in the depths of your soul, there's a spirit burning inside of you that says, I don't know how, but everything is going to be all right. I wonder if I got anybody this morning that can take a time out and say, I don't know how, but I just believe that God is going to work through this. He's got the power to calm the sea. And if he doesn't calm the sea, I know he can calm me. Somebody better bless him this morning. He's not only the captain of the ship, he's the captain of the sea. Jesus was exemplifying what peace in a storm looks like. And the disciples, my God, I feel like I pastor the disciples. They were so scared, driven by fear and not faith. And as they are desperately rowing, desperately pulling the ropes of the sails 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And they said, don't you care that we're about to perish? They, they, they questioned his concern for their well-being. That was a good tag in, tag out, wasn't it? Smooth. Master, care us so not that we perish. And Jesus arises from his sleep, goes to the bow of the boat. What's this? And Mark records it this way. He rebuked the wind. That word rebuke is the same word used to personify how Jesus addressed demons and demonic activity. Satan is called by Paul, the little G, God of this world. He is known as the prince and the power of the air. Now, I would, I would almost dismiss this as a possibility that the source of the storm was satanic, except that as soon as they came to the other side of that water, the Bible says that a man of the Gadarenes, a maniac bound with chains, cutting himself and crying aloud all hours of the day, who was infiltrated and infested with a legion of demons of demons and the Bible says that he met Jesus and the disciples as they came off that shore could it be could it be that Satan at times can leverage environmental circumstances against creation I'm going to tell you something that's eerie and concerns me. Listen to me. Within the last two months, through many perplexing circumstances, the Lord worked through a very difficult circumstance, bringing us into a new season where he's given us two things. Listen to me. He's given us freedom. I wish I could put my finger and put words to explain the freedom that has been in this house and in this church body over the last two months. But I'm going to tell you something. God has been moving so freely and speaking so freely. His hand has been so heavy upon this church body. He is blessing me and my wife. He is moving in my family. His hand is upon our staff. He is, he is promoting and developing an impartation to future leadership and potential disciples. God God is doing, I'm talking, we've had the spirit of liberty in this place. There's been a freedom. There's been a glorious freedom. I'm talking about people finding breakthrough and people walking in the blessedness of God's anointing. I'm talking, he shows up and he shows out. Woo, it's been good. God granted us some freedom to go to another level. And with that freedom has come a fight. Because new levels brings new devils. And I've just got to thinking lately. I've been watching and listening and a part of so much brokenness in people's lives lately. 
I sat in my bed last night and I looked at Mark 4 and I looked at Job 1 too and I asked myself, does Satan have a better read on what God is about to do than we do? Could it be he senses what's on the other side of that dam that's about to break through and he is aggressively moving throughout our church congregation to create discouragement, depression, division, and disconnection. Listen to me. I, I ain't a spooky person. I'm serious. I'm, per, I'm actually a pretty normal guy. I just love Jesus, and I want to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, I don't levitate my living room praying for y'all. I don't get with the trustees in the spiritual advisory council and roll up our pants leg and run, to, run through the tulips barefoot or nothing like that. We don't do none of that. Don't, don't sit around singing kumbaya and burning incense. Don't do none of that. But I have noticed over the last two months, it looks like there have been nothing but targeted attacks happen in this church. What we had to walk through that about knocked the wind out of me a couple months ago and having to figure out how to weather those waves, there was no, there was no time to rest or breathe because immediately, listen to me, immediately, there was, there was just a domino effect of situations that happened in our church. Some of them were life-threatening, automobile accidents. Listen to me, I'm not, I'm, I, 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 would, I would not get this curious if it wasn't for the eeriness in which these things happen in a sequential order. Chad, who's live streaming right now, is at home recovering, was, was in an automobile accident, head-on collision on a rainy night, hydro, uh, got a hydroplane, came in, hit driver's side of the front of his vehicle, broke both of his legs, completely shattered the bones in his legs. And he is going through a 100% rehabilitation right now of trying to start over with his ability to get around. And he ain't missing church. <laughs> he said, you got to live stream it. You got to live stream it. I'm like, I don't want you rolling up in my house in the middle of the night, coming after me. We're going to live stream it. We're going to make it happen, Captain. The same day, at the same time, the same wreck happened to Henry Mack. Same thing, his legs. He's been fortunate. He's got a damaged ankle. He's rolling around on this cool little scooter, probably driving his wife crazy. And that was enough right there to make me go, God, that's interesting the way that happened. But the things that started making my hair stand up, not on my head, but on my neck, <laughs> was the back-to-back -back other automobile accidents that started happening to people in this church. To where I started, I, I, it, was a, it was a little scary. People totaling their cars, people getting blindsided, T-boned. Just happened to Candida and her daughter this past week. We're, we're right here. Just happened this past week, another one sickness and infirmity and disease running rampant in our church. And I'm not trying to highlight us as something special, but I'm going to tell you something. I do think the Lord is up to something and I think the devil knows it. 
And I've been contemplating for a few weeks on whether or not I should even go there and talk about this. But I think what we are dealing with is full on satanic attack. I think he's targeted our church. I think he's after you. I think he's after me. I think he wants our children, our marriages, our ministry, our anointing. I think he wants to stop it. But I come to serve notice on the devil. He is in for a rude awakening. If he thinks he's going to put a stop to what the Lord has started here at New Grace. Honey, you better believe it. We are just now getting started. We've anchored ourselves to the blessed promise of a holy God. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't hold down. You can't shut down. You cannot stop what God is doing. If you believe that this morning, somebody help me give him praise. The Lord is doing a work. The Lord's doing a work. I believe the devil's nervous and I believe he knows it. But I don't think it was Satan's idea. God picked somebody he knew would pass the test. He said, you thought about Job? Accuser? Prosecutor? Blamer? You think you can find it in Job? I tell you what, we can take the hedge away and see if he'll curse my name. And all of his wealth, attack happening to his family, his kids. And the Bible says after all of that loss, it Job rent his garments and he sat down and he worshiped. <laughs> and he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the author said, in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Satan's, uh, Satan's objective was to get him to blame God, and instead of blaming God, he blessed God. <laughs> Chapter 2 starts off. And again, you know, there's this little American dream Christian value that will circle your head and tell you that if you praise him and if you trust him and if you bless him, it's just somehow going to get better. Let, let me say something. It don't always work. You see, some, some of us don't have a pure praise because we, we turn that praise on in hopes that God is going to somehow alleviate pressure. See, praise is not what gets you out of the fire. Praise is what gets you through it. See, some of y'all have been bartered with that health and wealth prosperity gospel that's published by demonized people like Kenneth Copeland. And you think somehow that if you trust God, you'll never have to walk through the fires of flame. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able to deliver us. Watch this. They said, but if not, we still won't bow. We still won't bend. We still won't break. He's faithful, he's able, but even if he doesn't, you better believe while we're in that fire, 
burning up. We're still going to be blessing him. We're still going to be praising him. We're still going to lead our praise to him. And the Bible says that when Nebuchadnezzar looked in that fire, he said, I thought we cast three in. They said, we did. He said, why do I see four men walking loose in the fire? And the form of that fourth one is like the Son of God. I'm going to tell you something. He's a God that will walk with you through the fire. He may not rescue you from it, but blessed be God. He will bring you through it. Somebody better help me. Bless. Him. Praise Him. He's walking in the flames. He's walking in the fire. And only Jesus can bring you out of the furnace and you won't feel like smoke. Won't even smell. Won't even look like you've been burned. Again. Job says in chapter 2. Same circumstances, same conversations, same negotiating table. And this time, this time God says, have you considered my servant Job? Well, prosecutor, well, accuser, oh, blamer, have you, have you thought about Job? Skin for skin, Satan says, Man will give everything for his own life. You took his wealth. You removed the hedge so I could take his wealth. But now if you remove your hand, I can touch his health. And God says, you can have him and do what you want, except his life you cannot take. And immediately the Bible says in the next verse that he was smote from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot with boils. Ulcers covering his body. He took a piece of pottery to relieve himself from the agonizing itch, scratched those pustules upon his body, trying to bring comfort in the middle of that discomfort. The Bible says, as he sat among the ashes, I used to think that the ashes was the house and property that was burned down. But I think the ashes were from the sacrifices that God, that Job had offered when he was worshiping. (laughs) And he sat down in the ashes because he'd done given God everything. You have all my stuff. My children are with you. My stuff no longer stands. My stuff no longer has value. You've taken that. See, Job understood that it doesn't go with you. That's why he said, naked came I in the world and naked do I leave. He wasn't in love with possessions. He wasn't possessed by possessions because he knew, like you need to know, it's either gonna blow off on the way up or burn off on the way down. And in the ashes, the Bible says Job sat down. The Holy Ghost wants me to tell you, Job sat down in the ashes because when he had nothing else left to give, he just gave himself. He just sat down in the ashes. He lost his wealth. He's lost his health. 
And if you'll notice in chapter two, there was one thing that Satan did not take. It was his witchified wife. The story ain't about the wife right here. Don't miss this. It's not even about the persona or the character of the wife. I don't need some guy coming to me after service and going, I see what he did. He left that woman. No, 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 don't, don't, that's not, you don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because the negotiation of the deal was this. You can take his wealth. You can take his health, but his life you cannot have. So you know what the devil did? He left one voice remaining that would come to Job at his lowest and say, how in the world can you retain your integrity? And she said this, curse God and die. Go ahead, curse God and kill yourself. Satan knew that he could not take Job's life from him. So he left a demonic voice of influence behind that would convince him to take his own life and end it. When Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he was talking about the demonic agenda that is aimed at you. He's talking about what he wants to do to your teenage son and your teenage daughter. He's talking about what he wants to do to your marriage. He's talking about what he wants to do to your church. He's talking about what he wants to do to your life. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy it. I want you to understand that where you are right now and what you are up against and what we are facing in this church and what you are facing in your life, it is not a mere coincidence. I believe that Satan is very well aware of this church. I believe it has made it on the map. I believe he knows what's coming. I believe that he has sensed the breakthrough and the blessing of God that awaits this church in this next season in 2024. And I think what there is is an undercurrent of demon activity that is aimed at our families and these individuals in this church body as to create a discouragement. Because here's the deal, the closer you guys get to God, the harder the devil hits. Have you noticed any oppression in your home lately? Have you, know, have you noticed any negativity that's starting to brew in spirit form around your heart? Have you, not, have you not been hearing any lies lately about your value and your self-worth? Has the devil not tried to divide you away from this church? Has he not tried to bring you away from where God's heart is beating? Pay attention. Pay attention. Because there's a God that believed in you so much he brought your name up. God has more faith in you, Henry Mack, than you do. He's got more faith in you, Daddy, than you do. More faith in you, Thomas and Stephanie Lewis, than you do. I'm all about subscribing to that Joel Osteen, believe in yourself. But the reality is you have a God who might have brought you up in the conversation. And God knew that you could handle it. God knew that you could take it. 
God knew that you were able, not because of your own strength and not because of your ability, but because his spirit in you, because his grace is always sufficient and his strength is perfect in your weakness. And God knew that he could trust you with testing. That is my sermon and that is my title when the devil went down to Job's house. He found a man that wouldn't blame God, but a man that would bless him. You've been hit, you've been hurt. What you gonna do this morning? You gonna blame the Almighty or you gonna bless him one more time? We've been targeted, we're under attack, but we're gonna sit down in the ashes of our worship and with our lips we will not curse him with our lips we will not accuse him we will bless him and not blame him let's give him praise in this house this morning I believe Job had to come to the conclusion despite the loss of health wealth possessions and stuff that he had to learn that God was not done. God was not done with him. And I want you to know, listen to me, I know you're being attacked on every angle, you're being hit on every side, and you are we- you're weary, you're weak, and you're wobbly right now. But I want you to get out of your seat, I want you to put your weight on Jesus at this altar, and I want you to declare with your mouth, God is not done with me yet. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted each week on Tuesday.